this world just fade away Let me feel your presence in this place Lord, I've never been so weary How I need to know you're near me Father, let this world just fade away Till I'm on my knees Till my John 10.3 says he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. 
Please stand as we sing, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. spring, we are reminded of your awesome power to sustain and create new life. As we collect these offerings today, let us be mindful for all the rich blessings that you have given this church and the families represented here. Let us also remember those not as richly blessed. We pray these offerings will be used to spread your word, give comfort, and to help those in need. 
Give us the wisdom to identify and minister to these people. We thank you for a God-loving church staff. Please guide them as they minister to our needs and complete our building program. We pray that our talents and resources will be used for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, choir. Joy in the morning. When that day comes, hallelujah. We're in a series leading up to Easter, the season of Lent, on the things that Jesus described himself as. I am, the first one was the bread of life. Last week we looked at, I am the light of the world. And this morning we're going to look at John 10, verse 7, and then again in verse 9 where he says, I am the door. Have you ever thought of Jesus as a door? What does he mean? In what ways is he like a door? John 10, verse 7 says this. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not heed them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I hope you know verse 10 of John 10. John 10, 10 is that famous verse about abundant life that Jesus gives to all who follow him. And what excites me about that verse is that abundant life starts now. The moment you invite Jesus into your heart, your life is changed, is transformed. You don't have to wait till you die to enjoy abundant life or eternal life because abundant life begins in this world for all who know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being the door, not a revolving door, not a swinging door, but a door with a latch on it that locks that keeps the sheep in safely and keeps the predators out at bay. And when you open that door, your sheep who know you can come and go, find protection inside the fence and provision in the green pastures where you lead them. Father, we want to be among your sheep we want you to be the door that protects us and provides for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Over and over in John's gospel, John wants his readers and listeners to see Jesus as the fulfillment of all the Jewish expectations, even the festivals. John compares Jesus, Jesus compares himself to the festivals and shows how much better, brighter he really is. For instance, back in John 7, the context was the Feast of the Tabernacles. An important part of that celebration on the eighth day was when the priest drew water from the pool of Siloam and poured it in a golden pitcher on the altar in the temple as an offering to God. And at that time, Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come after me and drink. In other words, Jesus was saying that he was the water that satisfies. In John 8, the setting is still the Feast of the Tabernacles, but there's another ceremony we talked about last week that's called the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the illumination of the temple. Four great candelabra are placed in the center of the court of women, the outer court of the temple. 
and they light those lampstands in each of those candelabra that have giant wicks and it is said that light pours out so brilliantly that every courtyard in Jerusalem is lit up with its brilliance. And at that time, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In other words, he's saying, you may think those lights in the courtyard are bright, but let me tell you something, I am even brighter because those lights may light up Jerusalem, but I will light up the whole world. Now we come to our text in John 10, and the setting is another feast. It's called the Feast of Dedication. It tells us in verse 22. And it's, that feast is a celebration to commemorate the purification of the temple under the Maccabees. There was a time when the temple fell under disrepair, under the, the power of pagan uh, folks who had occupied Jerusalem. And they desecrated the temple and the altar. So before it could be used for service again, they had to come back in and cleanse it and purify it and rededicate it. And Judas Maccabeus led that dedication. And then ever since then, annually, there was a, a, a feast to celebrate that dedication. On the Sabbath nearest that feast, the scripture readings in the synagogue would focus on passages dealing with sheep and shepherds, talking about how God, through the wilderness, provided for his children, just like a shepherd provides for his sheep. And at that time, Jesus, with those readings in the back of the minds of the Jewish listeners, says, I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. We're going to look at the good shepherd next Sunday. Let's not make this any more complicated than it has to be. What is the purpose of a door? I could think of two things a door does. First of all, it shuts to keep something out. And secondly, it opens to let something in. Pretty simple, huh? Let's not make it any more complicated than it has to be. But first, let me give you some background to help you understand what Jesus is referring to when he's talking about himself as a door. You have to understand sheepfolds in Jesus' day. There were two kinds of sheepfolds. There was the communal sheepfold that was a permanent enclosure for sheep that was in the villages and towns. It held all of the sheep of the entire village. All the shepherds would come and put their sheep together in this sheepfold and they would hire one gatekeeper to watch the gate, to take care of the sheep, to keep them from escaping. And then each day in the summer season, the growing season, I suppose, the the shepherds would come and they would call their sheep and those who knew their shepherd's voice would separate themselves out from the others and leave the sheepfold and go out and eat. So the, that sheepfold had several different kinds of, of, of shepherds and, and several different flocks of sheep collected. And that's the kind of fold I think is mentioned at the beginning of chapter 10 where Jesus says, truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. That's in the first part of chapter 10. But there's another kind of sheepfold that is mentioned here in the middle part of chapter 10 that's in our text this morning that's out in the hills and valleys, away from the village. In the season when grass was hard to find, they took the sheep 
away from the towns and villages out into the, the pastures, the hillsides where they could find enough grass to graze. And since they were away from town for several weeks at a time, it was too far to go back every night. The shepherds out on the hillsides built a kind of temporary sheepfold to house the sheep together at night. And they were simply open spaces surrounded by a, a makeshift kind of fence. And there was no door, no gate. There was just an opening in the fence through which the sheep would come and go. And the shepherd would lie down in that opening at night. So no sheep could get out, no predator could come in except over his body that was lying in the opening of that temporary makeshift enclosure for the sheep. That's the kind of sheepfold that Jesus is talking about here. When he says, I am the door, he's speaking literally. The shepherd was the door. The shepherd was the person lying in the opening where there was no gate. There was no access to the sheep except over him. There's no way they could leave except over him. There's no way predators could enter except over him. Jesus says, I am the door. So first of all, the shepherd keeps things out. Doors shut to keep things out. Like what? What does the shepherd keep out? What does Jesus close the door on for us? Well, first of all, it occurs to me that he closes the door on an old life of sin and guilt. And I can't think of anything we need more today than to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that our sins are forgiven and our guilt can be taken away and it is past and over and done with. And that we can be accepted by God. When you can get to the point where you can admit you're a sinner and ask for God's forgiveness through Jesus' death on the cross, that's the first step to becoming a Christian. And most Christians desperately need Jesus to shut the door on some past painful experience. The psalmist in 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You want to know when God shuts the door on the past and on your sins, what he does with those sins? He separates those sins from you as, as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? It's infinity because those two never meet. God closes that door and I want you to hear an iron door clanging shut and, and tumblers being spun and, and it's like a vault that closes that will never be opened again because when God closes the door on your past and your guilt and your sin, it is gone and forgotten and done with. Have you let Jesus shut the door on some past painful experience in your life? Listen to me. You do not have to keep dragging that experience around like a ball and chain any longer. That event that hurt your family, that loss of a loved one, that, that terrible experience that made you question the existence of God or His love for you. Jesus can forgive you and He will if you just confess and ask. He'll slam the door on that experience like an iron door that clangs shut and will never be opened again. 
That's one thing Jesus closes the door on. What's an, another thing he closes the door on is about wasted time, lost time. If you are anything like me, maybe you became a Christian many years ago, but, but since that time, your passion for God and your love for Jesus has maybe has faded a little bit. And you have lapsed into following the ways of the world instead of the ways of Jesus like you once did. You remember those days when you were a new Christian and you had a, a quiet time with him consistently, reading the Bible, praying, keeping a journal of your spiritual progress. But now you're too tired in the morning to wake up and you're too tired in the evening to, to do anything with God when you come in except sit in the chair and watch TV. But listen, it's not too late to start. Time is short, but it's not too late. More than anything else in the world, Jesus loves you, and he wants to heal you of your past and close the door on it. He can and will if you'll just let him. Spend time with him. Time may be wasted, but there's still some time in the future. I don't know how long for you or for me but that time we can use for God. A third thing that Jesus clearly closes the door on, it says in verse 9, are thieves and robbers who came before him and were able to have access to the sheep because he was not guarding the door. Now, does that mean when you become a Christian and Jesus is the doorkeeper that you'll never be tempted again, that Satan will have no further access to you? Of course not. You know that's not true. But you remember how it was before you were a Christian, how Satan had free access, could come and go as he pleased. But now with Jesus in your heart, he's got to be more cunning and he'll, he'll, he'll tunnel under the fence or he'll try to jump over it in some way. He'll still try to get to you. But it's more difficult for him when Jesus is in your heart and he's closed a door on the thieves and the robbers. Jesus said, I am the door. The door can be closed behind us on all of our sin and guilt. And it's only as we accept that fact can we move to what Jesus says the door opens for us. What does it open? Not only does the door shut on our sinful past, but if we enter through Jesus, who is the door, the next phrase and our scripture tells us we will go in and out in verse 9, and find pasture. The image of a sheep going in and out of a sheepfold through the shepherd tells us of protection and provision. Inside the sheepfold, where Jesus is guarding the gate, we are safe and secure. When Jesus steps aside and lets us go through the gate, or when we follow him as our shepherd, it tells us in verse 10 even more clearly, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Going in and out, we are safe and protected. Going out, we find abundant life. How about that? Don't you want abundant life? The Greeks called it the sumum bonum, the good life. Fulfillment, purpose, something to live for, someone to live with. That's possible and it is only possible 
when you are in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is what you are created for. And apart from that relationship with Him, you will always be floundering and searching and failing. And you know what I'm talking about because you have tried to live controlling your own life. And it is a dead-end street. Let me give an example. Look, there's a screwdriver here under the pulpit. What was this screwdriver made for? It was made for tightening screws and loosening screws. Now, I brought this screwdriver from home, and I have used it to punch holes with. I have used it to open boxes with. I have used it to uh, scrape putty with. I have used the handle as a hammer. Let me tell you, that doesn't work. But that's not really what it was made for. That does not suit its purpose, does it? What's it made to do? To tighten and loosen screws. Well, friends, you were made to be in a relationship with God. That's the abundant life that he offers. That's your purpose. That's what you were created for. Just as this says, Fleet Tools USA, you have God's stamp, his image on you. And you can be trying to fulfill other purposes for which you are not created, for which you are not ideally suited, and you will grow weary and frustrated. And like I did when I used this as a hammer, you may well hurt yourself. You were created for a purpose. Fulfill it. Quit chasing those false purposes that that you think you want to do because let me tell you, it will end up in a mess. But when you fulfill the purpose God created for you, that is abundant life. If you've ever had the privilege of being with someone who is dying, I've had that opportunity a few times and let me tell you, it is a holy moment when someone passes through the veil from this world to the next. And I can tell you there is a distinct difference between someone who faces death with faith in God and someone who faces death with faith in something else. I started to say without faith in God, but if you don't believe in God, you're believing in something else. And sometimes it takes more faith not to believe in God than it does to believe in God. But that's what people choose. And there's a difference. When you invite Jesus into your heart, that abundant life starts now. The moment you invite him in, he forgives you of your sins and restores that relationship with God for which you were created. But let me tell you something, it really kicks in at death. You're basically giving up nothing except control of your own life of which you have already made a mess. And you are gaining everything, abundant life in this world and eternal life in the world to come. When Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is saying he will shut the door on your past with its sin and its guilt and he will open the door to the future with its abundant life in this world and eternal life in the world to come. 
The devil comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He comes to steal your joy and kill your dreams and destroy your future. And when you follow him, you will discover the misery that goes along with that. But when you follow the good shepherd, abundant life and eternal life. But doors mean absolutely nothing unless we use them. I heard a story years ago that really struck me as ironic about the Great Wall of China. You know, the Chinese spent, I don't know, hundreds of years and hundreds, thousands, millions of man hours constructing that Great Wall to protect their country from the barbaric Mongol hordes of the West. And once that wall was complete, they felt safe and secure. But I read something that, that really struck me as kind of funny. You know how the, the Mongols eventually were able to bypass the wall and invade China and, and eventually conquer China? They bribed a doorkeeper. That was all they had to do. And that great wall meant absolutely nothing if that doorkeeper wasn't there doing his job. Friends, Jesus is the only door that's trustworthy. He is the only door that will never desert you or disappoint you. And as long as he is at the post, which is always, you'll be safe and secure inside the fence. And when he opens the door and leads you out, you'll find the abundant life of green pastures and cool water. Jesus says, I am the door. He's placed himself at the gate. But doors mean nothing if we don't use them. Shall we pray? <clears throat> Father, we know there is peace and security dwelling inside the sheepfold over which you're guarding. Now that doesn't mean that there are no problems and that Satan won't try to sneak in and tempt us. But it does mean all the while the Good Shepherd is watching over us. And some way or another will see us through. God, we're tired of trying to lead our own lives and control them. We're tired of trying to be our own shepherds because we are sheep that have gone astray. But thank you for pulling us together and offering us salvation through Jesus' death on the cross. We hear the voice of the shepherd calling us to follow. And we know our shepherd. 
We know what he says is true. So give us the boldness to step out and say, I believe and I want to follow Jesus the rest of my life. Some here today may need to profess their faith publicly. Others rededicate their life having wasted time in their relationship with God. Still others may need to join this church and get involved and begin serving. Whatever the need, Lord, you are the shepherd. Provide for us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing an invitational hymn this morning. I have decided to follow Jesus. If you have decided to let him be your shepherd, and you're going to stop trying to find your own way and bumping into dead-end walls, let him guide you into the path of everlasting life. I'll be at the front to receive you. Profess your faith. If you've done so, you need to share it publicly. Rededicate your life. You come forward and join us. 305, I have decided. Please come as we stand and sing. I have decided follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided